Hi everyone, I'm Amanda and this is Self. Today joining me is Alejandro Pedraza. <laughs> Did I say it right? You say Spicy. it fantastically. Welcome to Self. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. What do you think of the intro? <laughs> it's a cool one. Yeah? That's a lot of elements you have already. Thanks. I know. It's a pretty good studio space. So, Alejandro, it's been a while. We haven't seen each other in like nearly three years. The, yeah, pretty much. Uh, the pandemic has kept us apart for a while. Yeah. What's been going on for you? Uh, well, right now I'm doing kind of like a, a trip around the world for this year. I'm closing in next month in Japan. It's been an absolutely amazing experience and right now being able to being back in bali getting to see the community the family the friends everyone that is still here or that we just coincide during this time yeah has been probably one of my favorite parts of this whole year like just having that sense of uh, belonging back it was absolutely beautiful Okay, so um, we actually haven't had a chance to properly catch up, but we mm -hmm. are good friends yep. and you've been a very important person in my life. Um, so first off, this job that you have, because mm -hmm. you're traveling the world f for work, Correct. essentially. So let's, let's talk about that because I think that's pretty awesome and mm -hmm. a lot of people would be keen to hear what it is you're doing and how. Absolutely. Um, basically, what I'm doing right now is I'm with a company called Remote Year. And the cool thing about Remote Year is that basically we are taking care of a group of people. We have all the logistics and all the infrastructure behind it. And it's uh, their experience is tailored for digital nomads. So for everyone that is trying to find a way or it's aiming to stop living in their apartments, trying to regain the sense of wonder of the world or like mm. trying to really go out and explore, but doesn't really know either where to go, how to structure, what are like the top things to do yeah. in each place. That's what we take care of. And also we're not aiming for tourists. We're actually aiming for travelers. So right. we will be living on a particular city for a whole month. Nice. And with that, it has allowed us to grow into a very interesting sense of community and family. We've been able to develop certain traditions among the people that we've been traveling for the last 11 months. So one group? One group has oh, been traveling wow. together for the last 11 months. Wow. There, it's been a very <laughs> interesting social dynamic, like borderline social experiment. But yeah. I think we're coming on top of it. At the 11 month uh, mark. <laughs> the, like, it's been an amazing journey. Like, obviously, it has, has ups and downs, but overall, the experience I think has been fantastic. Okay. So, because I mean, that's quite an intense amount of time to spend with one group of people. Yeah. Like, you guys are, are living together. Is that right? So, um, there are different living arrangements each month. But basically, we, as a company, we have different infrastructure mm. in different cities. Some cities is like a tower of, of apartments. Some places have like multiple villas, different number of people per villa. Yeah. And it just changes from month to month. One of my roles, for instance, is making sure that everyone is settled in an accommodation that suits 
their work, their working hours or their working schedule or their type of job that they do. Like if there are yeah. a lot in calls, like you want to make sure that they have a space where they have strong internet, where they can like work from home yeah. without necessarily having to go to the workspace if they have like more private clients. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah. you're really taking care of people. That's what I'm doing. I'm Which is your thing because you used to be a psychologist. That's correct. And I know that, I know personally that has been something that has really helped me because obviously you understand people and you have this wealth of knowledge and through, I guess, through the last three years for me, I've been going through a lot of ups and downs and you were someone who was such a good friend to me through my separation after I ended my marriage and and I'm really grateful for that. So thank you. And I think your skills in psychology um i guess like that's what what makes you pretty great for this role i imagine i I like to think so yeah yeah that's uh that's definitely something that has played a very interesting role when it comes to the human interaction Mm. it's uh, it's also interesting when when you are in a position where you're very clearly instructed that you're not a psychologist yes so right. it's yeah. like you have the degree but the company is like that's not what we're hiring that's you. not your job that's not, that's your, not job. your job so again the whole concept of what we, at some point we talk about like the notion of boundaries yeah where it's like where are my where where's the range of my job yeah. and what's outside of my range for this particular scenario so th- having the background knowledge is definitely helping me, especially for group dynamic and understanding some moments that as people and as the group itself has had, it's been really, really helpful for sure. What are some of the observations (laughs) you've made? I mean, have you learned more about people in this job than you have before? Absolutely. Like one, one very interesting cue that I got is like, people can only fake for four months. Okay. Like that's, that's the time limit. That's the time limit for any mask. Like even the most perfectly facé that anyone can have, it will break at four months. All right, I want to know more. Um, we as social cre- we're social creatures, right? Yeah. And one of the things that we all have is like we we all want we all want either to be liked or to be accepted or just to be able to play with the other kids like at the end like we're still children because first experiences shape a lot of our nervous system and shape a lot of how we respond to the outside world we want belonging so when you first encounter a bunch of strangers that you're told like hey by the way this is going to be your group for the next 12 months right everyone puts on like like first impression makeup you know it is like i i want them to see my my best best, the best self the best self yeah which is totally fine like it's Mm. absolutely fantastic that people are like hey like i i really want to belong like it's an effort of like trying to belong to a new community and building something from complete strangers like i think it's a very natural response absolutely yeah i i think I mean, in yeah, what else? What's the alternative, it, right? Like, it, I'm going to exactly. show up as my worst self. Like, no. It, exactly. Yeah. So what happens is that that very best self, it's a great attempt, but it, it has a time limit. Right. The 
the the amount of time that you can actually hold that persona can't really be past four months, especially in this particular 24-7 dynamic. Right. Because you change roommates every month, you get to new experiences, you experience new cultural clashes. Yeah. All these, like, and sometimes, like, we have transitions that are not particularly comfortable in time. Yeah. So as you add the discomfort for that particular thing, and I think this is applicable for any other form of relationships. Like the moment that you start like living with your new partner, like <laughs> give it four months, like really aim like, okay, they move in this day. I'm going to check in in four months because at that point, like that's when all like the little things start to creep out mm. and it's fine. Like we, we cannot hold that composture because it's not, it's not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not realistic, is it? There's, I mean, I like to think of our traits as a coin where mm-hmm. there's two sides to everything. Yeah. And so you can be someone who, for instance, is a bit of a neat freak. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, on one side of the coin, that's great because you, you appreciate tidiness and you, you really clean up after yourself. But the flip side to that is you might get very frustrated yeah. at other people who aren't like that. Absolutely. And I think that's also part of the very interesting social experience because Mm. as people are able to leak out these other elements yeah they are actually able to a find ways to actually negotiate human interaction so it's like setting boundaries and expressing desires which is super super healthy in a relationship but also something that a lot of people struggle with so all of a sudden you're in a position where it's like okay this is the only month four. I'm one third of the way. <laughs> I need to start making certain adjustments. Yeah. So kind of like seeing that play through and also recognizing that some people are better bears, like have more skills in order to set boundaries right. or communicate needs than others and kind of like just tailor around that in a way that it's actually a growth zone for people. Yeah, I imagine that in this kind of environment and this space, like any relationship really, there are some very childlike parts that get activated and come out. Because I suppose like when you're around someone in short bursts, you know, things that might annoy you, things that I know you don't like the word trigger, but things, I don't know what the alternative (laughs) word is, but something that might activate Mm -hmm. certain parts within you Perhaps you can deal with it, right? Like if we're only sitting together for a couple of hours and I don't see you for a week or two, it's it's easier to let go of. Yeah. But being in this intense kind of environment, the same as, yeah, living together with your partner or returning home, Mm -hmm. living with your family, being in this close proximity, this tight-knit environment, I mean, it must just bring out these these child parts. Yeah, absolutely. From people. I mean... if you think about it, like human interaction, the main three components are uh, distance. How far is that interaction from you? Mm. Is it done by someone in your close circle, mm. farther circle, like medium circle, some complete stranger who did it? Right. That will determine your emotional reaction to it. How often does it happen? Mm. so does it happen daily something that annoys me or that it is brought up daily is this something that happens every 
I don't know, every other week? Is this something that happens every time that we're in Christmas? <laughs> like that, that kind of like duration yeah. of how often the event happened also affects your emotional reaction. And also the intensity of it, because there, again, and this is a this is a little bit of a more personal thing, because we're all we all come with a different baggage, we all come with different experiences, mm. and the same event might bring up different things in different people. Yeah, absolutely. So once you kind of like understand those three elements, it also gives you a very good kind of like assessment of like what is this person reacting to? Yeah. Is this person reacting to what just happened? Or is that something that that person can like just drag all the way from childhood and brought it to the table? Yeah. So kind of like having those assessment moments and, and really being a little bit more aware of, and, and it's hard, like emotional, emotional non-reactiveness is super difficult. Yeah. But it I, is ex- tell me about it. But it's extremely useful mm. in certain moments when it's like, that baggage or whatever that is yeah is not mine like that's yours and you definitely have to work on it you definitely have to like see what that's about but i shouldn't really be taking it yeah like that's on your side yeah i mean that's what setting boundaries is about right like not taking on not and it's i've i've been speaking to a lot of people about this recently actually because this is something Mm -hmm that I've been working on this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can kind of circle back to some historical stuff about where this comes from because you know a lot about my background mm-hmm. and you know that um, I have a bit of this, I think you called it like a superwoman complex, right, where I like to rescue and to save people yeah. and take on what's not mine. And this year has really been quite transformative for me because it's actually... I've been setting way more boundaries and it's been a year where I've been able to go, actually, that's not mine and I'm not going to step into this role and try and rescue people, yeah. which is, I mean, like, you know, that's massive That's for me. a massive thing, yeah. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I might not always get it right, but there have definitely been a lot of moments where I've drawn those boundaries and it's interesting because what I've noticed and observed is for people who are used to an old version of me, yeah. that makes them quite uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't think I don't think everyone's going to like that about you when you begin setting boundaries coming from a background of people pleasing coming yeah. from a background of taking things on that's yeah. not yours and wanting to rescue people out when you start setting those boundaries that's what I've noticed in myself a lot of people are like hold on a second you're really selfish yeah. and you you know I don't I don't like this I don't like that it's swinging the other way now that that you're moving away from this. Yeah. I mean, um, I, a friend of mine has a, a beautiful saying where he was like, I'm a recovering people pleaser. Where he's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm actually on the process of stopping that pattern where I feel like I need to please people. And it's hard, especially yeah. when we grow up learning that we need to earn love like we need to do stuff in order to be loved yeah it's a very like going past that thought pattern is very complicated because it's engraving us very early yes and obviously when you have a whole um relationship dynamic relationship being 
parents, siblings, friends, partners, whatever, and all of a sudden like, you start to change that pattern, of course you're going to meet resistance. Of course you're going to meet like people saying like, hey, they, that's not what I'm used to. Like That's not what I'm used to from you. What's going on? And it is very challenging, but also that's kind of how you reclaim or, or take that energy that might have been like draining you or preventing you from really going either deeper or fulfilling and growing other areas of your life. Absolutely. All of a sudden, like you feel like you're not as depleted as you start setting boundaries. Yeah. And the funny thing about like coming to this idea of like the best version of yourself, instead of making it a mask by setting boundaries and respecting the things that you truly care for, actually allow you to grow into a better self instead of just like projecting something. Yeah. I wonder um, about this idea of, you know, this, this superhero complex. I don't know what to call it exactly, but this mm -hmm. idea of wanting to rescue and help people. And I was talking to a friend about this yesterday about feeling that like I'm someone who feels that initial urge and that pull, mm -hmm. you know, when I hear that, something's going on for someone, I straight away want to rectify that for them. I want to take it away, which also typically means taking that burden on for myself. Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that's pretty common, particularly among women. Uh, I don't know if you've observed that. I mean, I guess there's this nurturing nature that comes into play. Mm -hmm. And also part of it is in our culture, you know, women are often seen as like having as the martyrs, like having to put family first, everyone else first before themselves. And when I was talking to my friend about this, I something I shared with her was like, when I think what I've noticed is when, when we step in for other people, mm -hmm. I think we rob them of the opportunity to grow within themselves because you rob them of time and space yeah. to reflect and to be with whatever's going on for them. Yep. And there's a way to support in a, I suppose, like in a conducive manner, in a way that's helpful without having to take it on. But I mean, that's a hard balance. Yeah. I mean, there is, um, I think there is an art form in being able to be a supporting character. Like, Oh, rather than the main character of someone else's story. Yes. So it's, it's one of those things where, and again, you can dissect a bunch of stuff. Yeah. From the need to be like the superhero or where does that coming from? Like yeah. all these different things. And maybe it's just because most of the time I'm very lazy and I go for a more practical approach. <laughs> or is, is this person going to, like on on a very practical term like is does this person need or is facing something that will leave it leave her him her whatever better after they face it like is this something mm. that it is a growth opportunity yeah i know it's like and growth comes at a very hard price sometimes yeah like it's a it's, it's challenging it takes a toll in your energy it takes a toll in a lot of things but the overall outcome and sometimes that person 
because again like when we get into like the emotional uh, a teacher used to call it um amygdala kidnapping amygdala kidnapping when you're in a very intense emotional state your amygdala gets activated yeah. <laughs> and blocks your rational your prefrontal cortex exactly so basically when you're there you cannot see what the outcome is going to be but when you're not in it mm. you can actually like see it a little bit clearer for it's like well did that will probably make you less of an asshole so <laughs> maybe i'll just see it here and be a supporting character while you go through that process yeah it's hard again and and like the reason why i relate to what my friend said is because i'm also a recovering people pleaser and yeah. sometimes it's like I could really easily fix this for this other person. Yeah. But I'm choosing not to. And that doesn't make me selfish. That doesn't make me a bad person. That just means that that's not my burden to carry. Yeah. And I think sometimes we underestimate the cost to ourselves by taking on the burden. Because there is a cost involved. And the image that I have, as you were saying, that is a jar full of coins mm -hmm. and if your jar is full and you give out little coins each time you know that we're we're depleting ourselves and our energy it doesn't seem like much at the start right yeah. if i if i take three coins out of a jar of a thousand it doesn't seem like much but there's a pattern that that occurs and the more that we do that we actually just deplete without mm -hmm. actually you know people say about you can't pour from an empty cup it's the same same deal yeah. right And there is a cost involved. I think often I know that I haven't thought about that cost fully and what's happened as a result is I've come out the other side feeling extremely drained mm -hmm. but also feeling resentful. Yeah. Feeling a bit like resentful towards the other person also a bit resentful towards myself which then just doesn't serve either of us, I think. I mean, there... There are multiple, it's very interesting, there are multiple patterns or levels of how we make decisions in an everyday life mm. that are that happen way before we even get awareness of it or right. of why we're doing certain things. So I also think that's a very tricky thing that people need to be exposed at and need to like that's one of the reasons why therapy really works because all of a sudden like, you start getting questioned about certain either thought patterns or behavior patterns that comes from the past that maybe because like we're extremely adaptive yeah like but that's adaptive for better but also maladaptive which mm. means If it worked at a certain point and we were getting a kick or we were getting the nurturing or we were getting the protection that we wanted at that time, that's how the the that's how the thought pattern is going to play out. Mm. And there's a moment where if you're not properly sit down and question like, hey, do you, you do realize that you're still kind of getting what you wanted, but it is now taking way, way longer and it's becoming way, way harder because you're still on a very... Uh, childish dynamic yeah and when you when you can like match that child strategy versus your adult needs that kind of like gap 
becomes a very interesting thing to see. Well, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, so that's why it's taking me like way longer to actually either get the fulfillment or get the get these um, let's call it an emotional reward. Yeah. Out of this dynamic that it is happening. Yeah. It's something like we have a lot of super subconscious though. Yeah. I mean, there it's things that we learn when we were younger and we're very bad at stopping and questioning ourselves. Like we really need that outer pair of eyes that be like, have you thought about why you did, why you did it like that? And you like, because in your head you you can create a bunch of reason and excuses of like why that works. And it is very interesting. Like the moment that you try to say it to someone else that when you realize like, Eh. and that's just and, and it's very like it's, it's very simple like the the areas of the brain that think and the areas of the brain that speak mm-hmm. are very different so when you think your brain is kind of like just matching stuff automatically so it makes sense yeah when you try to express it like you have to create Verbalize. listen yeah. and see the other person's reaction so that in like that whole dynamic uh-huh immediately makes the explanation of rationalizing old behaviors way harder yeah so having that other person that that is like tell me more about that (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a therapist's favorite one tell me more about that but because like that's that like i just dissected the thing behind that question is like verbalize it like yeah i'm challenging i'm challenging your brain yeah to verbalize and listen yeah to why you're doing that. Yeah. And whether it's true or not. Because I think you can, you can, we make excuses, right? Yeah. As you said, we can make connections in our, in our head, yeah. in our thought patterns and go, well, that wasn't very reactive. I just did this because of, for this reason, X, Y, Z, here you go. And I've painted that image in my head. Yeah. And then the moment you start to speak it out loud, you go, well, that actually isn't true. Yeah. It's funny. There's something about speaking something out loud yeah. where you know if there's truth in it yeah. or if you're just bullshitting and you're making stuff up. Yeah, like um, the 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 brain is a predictive organ, mm. and it's really good at doing its job. It's just very unorganized. Right. Like the the amount like. The columns or the subjects that your brain can predict upon, it's limited. Mm-hmm. But the items that it can predict is unlimited. So what I'm going by this is like your brain is always trying to answer three questions most of the time. Where it's like path, time, and outcome. But it cannot figure the three things at the same time. Right. Whenever, like, If you think about like the times where you're like being blocked with work or stuff like that. It's like, I have this deadline, but I also need to contact this provider, but I also like need to make sure that logistics and it's going to be in time. Like blah, blah, blah. When you have like all the three elements like orbiting in your head, yeah. your brain can't process that. So that's also like something as simple as writing. Like that's why journaling is effective. Like you, again, there are two different, like different f- language formats have been in our brain from ancient times from evolution have been wired. Like there's... Br- uh, the I might butcher in the translation, but there's a Broca area and there's a Vernica area. One's for speaking, one's for writing. Mm. But they both require a, a very similar process. The moment that you start typing and writing and actually involving other elements into it, 
allows your brain to actually gain some clarity. So if you sit down and you write, what's the path? Well, the path is that I need to do this, 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 and that. Contact this person by this by the end of this night. Da, da, da. How much time that will take me? Well, this person is on this time zone, so at least by tomorrow I will have it. Like the amount of time that it will take me to write this email is going to be like probably five minutes because I need to draft it. And what's the outcome that I want? Well, to get this product ready so that this can launch. Blah 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 blah. All of a sudden, like all clarity. Of, exactly. So what you're doing is like you're actually working with your brain. Yeah. Instead of, because again, we have a very, very um, strong tendency to think that statistic doesn't really apply to us. Okay. Like, for instance, like the whole notion of multitasking. Only 2% of people in the planet, statistically speaking, can actually multitask. Yeah, I can't. No, I never admit to multitasking. I'm terrible at it. Everyone else has like flotation, like floating attention. Yeah. But only 2% of the population can, can prove or can actually perform while multitasking. The funny thing is 95% of people that hear that think that they're that 2%. How interesting. So like, it, and it's a whole like, it's a whole way of how we perceive information from yeah. the outside and how we perceive information from mm. ourselves. And one of the reasons that help us keep alive is because we kind of like have this in brain thing in our brain that is like, you're very special. You should really try to stay alive. <laughs> and that just kind of like pour over into like the rest of the world. And you think that you're actually that 2% all of the time. Right. So it's, it's a tricky balance to have. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, but that sounds like it's a biological thing, right? I mean, why? Like, why do 95% of people think that they are in that special 2%? Um, Is it a lack of awa like awareness? Because surely for me, when I, when I try to multitask, I'm like, all I'm actually doing is not completing anything properly, whereas when I dedicate my attention to something... yeah. And I focus on something completely, I finish that one task and then I can move on. Anytime I try to multitask, all I do is just draft things and then don't send it and then go on to the next thing. It's just yeah. 10 half completed things. Yeah. And like that's your that's your floating attention. Like your yeah. floating attention means that you're in this right now and then you go to this other thing and you're you think you're thinking about the other thing, but not really. Mm. So that's just um again. A lot of what's around us have talked about like multitasking and the fact that because you're in a computer and because the computer has like multiple tabs and multiple things like we we're we're fooling ourselves mm. into believing that that's how it works uh but that's just kind of like um that's just a bad habit and coming back to your question like i cannot tell you like oh it is because of this because yeah. i haven't done research <laughs> i have like, I'm, like yeah yeah i guessing. i, I <laughs> I take information from what I from from certain resources, but for instance, a very let's call it an educated guess, shall okay. we? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a like the reason why people believe in horoscopes, like there's um there's a cycle there there's some there's a bias there's a cognitive bias that. The moment that you hear someone describing things of certain particular personalities, mm. you 
project that into who you think you are. Um, it has a particular name. They made a study where they publish the exact same description <laughs> for all the for all the star signs. Uh huh. Yeah. And they randomly assign people to read them. Yeah. And all of a sudden, people were relating a lot. Like everyone, everyone born in different months. Yeah. They all related to the exact same description. Yeah. This is something I've theorized. Yeah. I mean, I always said that because I don't, re I don't believe yeah. in horoscopes. But I've always said I reckon you will find something in every yeah. horoscope to be like, oh yeah, that's so. Yeah, mean. no, like uh, the horoscopes are based on how the stars look like hundreds of years ago um hundreds of years ago uh, but because of the expansion of the universe the stars that we see right now they have nothing to do with the stars that we that they were able to see when that came out and the notion that planets or stars that are like hundreds of like they don't affect anything like again People I, might get real mad at that. Yeah, like, like a lot of it, you know, people who love horoscopes, I like, really love. Horoscopes. Yeah, no, like so they're they're I, not I, they're not, not bashing on that. They're not gonna allow me to me. go into Ubud after after this, <laughs> this podcast, but it it's really nonsensical. Like it just like there's absolutely no support other than um how how is it called in English? Um, I it's when the information process comes from the narrative only so yeah. anecdotal is only anecdotal yes. evidence yeah. anecdotal evidence is just storytelling like mm. you can compound a bunch of stuff and it, it works for certain things mm -hmm. but anecdotal evidence doesn't work for personality traits because mm. you are playing an objective observer on something that you're already subjectively, emotionally involved at. Right. So it, it doesn't really work. So then let's, let's take this concept and play it out into, because we're talking about personality now, mm -hmm. right? Into other ways that we, other mechanisms we use to assess ourselves or assess people, assess personality. Okay. I remember um, after my separation and entering the next relationship mm -hmm. where I was having a pretty challenging time and you and I were speaking about this and you asked me about my attachment styles. Yeah. So I guess there's a couple of questions I have because one is do you think we we – do these personality tests and then end up kind of similar to horoscopes. Do we end up taking this on as a form of our identity and then does it exacerbate it? Or, or is this something completely different from horoscopes? Like when it comes to understanding like, yeah, your personality traits, your archetype, your attachment styles. So one of the things that it is um, a little bit tricky when it comes to psychology is to truly dissect or to truly go through the process of seeing like was this test conducted with a proper 
blind like with a double blind group like mm. was this conducted with enough research to back up the idea that there is actually a correlation that may or may not cause causation okay in the process so like that these kind of th there's a bunch of standards right that would grant uh, a test a degree of validity and of trustfulness what's a double blind group so basically what happens is that you like have you ever heard of like the the, the word placebo yeah so basically the way that it that it goes is like you want to give a placebo to, to a group, group and you want to give the real stuff to mm -hmm. another group and you want to see differences mm -hmm. like you want to see like a, a statistically significant difference between people that are actually taking the stuff that works and people that are taking sugar pills yeah that's a double blind yeah but so we often find that placebo is effective but we often and that's a whole placebo effect so that's yeah. what makes it very difficult sometimes when it comes to medications and other stuff so the that's why i'm saying like you want to make sure that there's a statistically significant difference mm -hmm. between handing someone an horoscope and being like yeah that makes a lot of sense and then handling like a like a personality test that again has a degree of accuracy and it, it tells you like when it's a properly standardized it's like this is true within this range yeah this is true within uh, this particular set of circumstances right and that on itself like when you when you read the description of something and it says within the proper conditions of this experiment in which we realize that this test works for this particular set of individuals like when you have that long statement that says like under this condition it actually <laughs> works that's a pretty good way to go when it says like everyone that it is born within the month and this moon <laughs> and the sun like everyone is affected by this one i would trade carefully okay take it with a grain of salt yeah and mm. again but the funny thing is on the other side like on the receiving end of things is the same effect mm. the results of a personality test even though it's well performed well researched blah 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 and there's a bunch of tests that have been proven that they actually don't work like after 100 years or 50 years in the making yeah. they that because they they didn't specify like to which degree it works a bunch of them have been like obviously if you go like which winnie the pooh character are you <laughs> <laughs> I love those quizzes. Of everyone loves them, big, but it's like that's the exact same effect. Like yeah. you have this bias in which you, you do the want test. To be, you you already have an outcome in mind often when you're doing this yeah. stuff, right? You have an outcome, and there's a part of you that is like, well, I guess yeah, I could be an Igor because the last couple of months <laughs> I've been feeling very very down. Oh, and yeah. you're like, you're not an Igor. Like you're just like coming out of the pandemic, or you're just been having a very crappy month. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of elements that in our attempt to make sense yeah. of everything around us because again predicting or predicting organ trying to make sense of life mm. quest to find a fulfilling meaningful experience as a human creature we like labels like labels yeah. and like, at, like saying like oh i am this or i have this thing allow us to kind of like think that the world around us makes sense that that's where the bias come from mm. but it's also good information as well i mean it's helpful it's helpful to know as to to understand yourself a little bit more right surely like doing maybe not the winnie the pooh test or which disney character are yeah, you i mean yeah 
I'm Mulan, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the only <laughs> Asian character. <laughs> I did not see that coming at all. Um, yeah, like doing these tests. I guess I wonder because I love I love this stuff. I love these personality <laughs> tests. I'm not gonna lie, and I love it in part because it does help me. But I think it's because I do feel almost safer within the bounds of a label, mm-hmm. having something to go to define myself with, I think. Um, but then at the same time, it really does inform you in some respect to help you both yeah, understand yourself and to understand why you show up the mm-hmm. way that you do at times. So going back to what I was asking you about before, attachment styles – um, can you maybe first, if you just want to quickly explain what attachment styles are, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Um, no, like I, it's not so much of the spot, but when it comes to attachment styles, like basically the quickest way in which I can explain it is like, how did your infant self learn to be safe? Mm. And from this idea of like, um, there's a, um, uh, I'm I'm kind of terrible with names as, as as we both know. Like sometimes I I space out, but I the last name is Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like the world most renowned person when it comes to attachment styles, and the way that she sometimes explains it is like, um, basically it's how every one of us as a child learn that we were going to get our needs met yes so there was a whole experiment of like uh, a group of parents and a group of children and which children were able to just go out and play with toys and games and slides that were out there because the world for them is uh, is safe and they know that if something happened they can always come back mm-hmm. the child that went out but every other time like they will just look back and see if their parents were watching or not because they were like if something happens like is my mom gonna come and, and, and rescue me mm-hmm. and the child that was just like holding on to to the parent because they couldn't really get out or create space between they physical them physical presence and their parents physical presence because they 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 need this or they learn that they need to be under this almost like iron curtain of the protection of their parents kind of thing yeah and like other other stuff in between but basically where the attachment theory comes from is like how did our nervous system learn from a very early age that it was going to be safe yeah and coming back like that's something that gets ingrained in the in in the brain and we start craving or finding ways in which we can get those same needs meant the same way that we learned when we were children as an adult as an adult which is not always functional in an adult life like yeah or effective so I, I i'm a i'm i'm a very big believer in trying not to use good or bad like i mm. think good or bad can create a lot of judgment Mm -hmm. but it's like is this functional or is this effective for the outcome that you want like is this effective for the for the kind of relationship that you're aiming to build is this 
effective or is it functional for your everyday life or are you ending up depleted just because you're trying to fulfill something that your child version learned how to do and no longer has the energy or it's all of a sudden like the outside challenge is far too great for a childish strategy yeah so when it comes to attachment styles there's like obviously like the in theory the person that can go and play and blah 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 like that's a secure attachment because they know that they're safe like the world is safe around them then there is anxious that keeps looking back and he's like just making sure that you're gonna, no, be, there. That you're gonna be there and you're not gonna leave me then there's um avoidant avoidant and then the last one is uh, disorganized disorganized i'm all over it fantastic <laughs> so basically understanding that every single one of us has a degree of that of those mm, attachment yeah. styles and every single relationship that we have will bring out absolutely a particular attachment style because again like you're talking like, this is a this is a cartoon but it's like it's like rubik's cube trying to talk to another rubik's cube like like they're seeing they're like they're seeing just one side of it but they're like each one has like a different puzzle on the on the back and wow. certain colors will align and other colors mm. won't and every single person is a different rubik's cube yeah so the moment that you talk with different people they will bring something different totally and i think i mean this is this is what we were talking about because i i remember you asked me to do the test because i hadn't yeah. heard of um attachment theory before and it came out that i was obviously a mix but it was something like 60% mm -hmm. secure and then maybe 30% anxious. Like mostly in the insecure attachment styles, it was yeah. mostly anxious and then a little bit avoided and disorganized. And I think there's a natural attraction from with the um, anxious and the avoidance styles, right? Like mm -hmm. one pursuer and one <laughs> runs mm -hmm. away. And so there's this dynamic where you're chasing you know, the anxious party is, yeah. is chasing and then the avoidant, I suppose, it brings out more of that avoidant part that's like, whoa, I'm not okay with being needed so much and being dependent on it. I need to run away. Yeah. And these child parts get activated, which is challenging in relationships. I mean, that, it at least for me, like it made for a very unhealthy and quite a toxic dynamic actually yeah. um, because... Yeah, I. it was bringing stuff out of me that I didn't like seeing in myself. Yeah. Which is a great opportunity to go inwards and do work, right? Because then that's where I'm like, okay, where is this coming from? Definitely from childhood. Yeah. Uh, and how... I guess the difficult thing as an adult now is wanting to meet your own needs. There's mm -hmm. this balance of... Meeting your own needs, but also feeling safe enough to rely on another if you are in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's a very that's a very fair point, and there's there's a lot to be said about how, like the way that you explain it, certain certain people bring out different things mm. in one another. And you also, the one thing that I would, the one thing that I keep bringing up to people that makes it tricky is self 
or the notion of self is a fairly tricky concept on its own. Totally. <laughs> so you got to be careful that you did a great job doing the inner work and now you're past a lot of little t or capital t trauma and that you pass a bunch of uh childish or old behavior or thought patterns mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you come to a conclusion and you get a new description and now you make that the new thing and then it's like okay so now this is what i am mm. because we are constantly changing yeah the sense of self self is dynamic it's not a static thing we don't step into self of, of you know it's a version of self i like to see myself as i amanda you know i'm amanda three point well, two now or something like different versions right because you're we are ever changing we're a yeah. makeup of our experiences and things that have happened to us beyond our control our reactions like all these things make us who we are yeah and this notion i think of self where we are always trying to align with a more authentic version of us like that's the journey and that's the work that you do there like yes that's kind of like a lot of the aims or a lot of the aim of what a lot of people is trying to get to mm -hmm. finding I'm in the play of words, like, because I want to be very clear, like, I don't believe in finding yeah, right, a self. Right. Like, they're, they're, they're like. Where are you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> if, like, if you were, like, and I'm, I'm sorry for being, like, this visual, but if you were to, like, bash my head open and, like, look for every single part of my brain, there isn't uh -huh. a single part with that, with that holds the Alejandro. Right. Like, so it's, it's not finding this one there, single entity, there, this single point. There isn't. Like the whole notion of the whole notion of self is a a very challenging thing to define because the person that woke up today and experienced a bunch of things was that your true self, or have you learned enough in this process of time that who you are right now is your true self, and then the person that I'm going to be later at dinner is going to be the same self. Right. It's very tricky because there's a lot of like time, knowledge, information changing stuff to define the self. So what I really encourage people to do, and this is something that um, whenever I have the chance to work with people on this subject is you kind of have to set a time frame for what you consider yourself because whatever it is that you're facing right now like the moment <clears throat> i i bring this to me because this is the easiest thing that i can do for mm -hmm. explaining but the moment that i finished my contract and i stopped being this professional vagabond which i absolutely love mm -hmm. the moment that that contract finishes i will no longer be the same person that i was the moment before because a bunch of my responsibilities and a bunch of my everyday and a bunch of my scheduling and planning ahead that I have to been doing for the last couple of months is going to be gone. Mm. What happened to that Alejandro and what will happen to the to the Alejandro from that moment onwards? I know that I have a bunch of stuff that I need to like readjust and reassess because the self is not 
a thing. It's just a is is kind of is just is like and I'm and I'm gonna have to adapt and that's the that's the whole thing of the attachment, not from Brown but from Buddha. Or yeah, like as in non-attachment. As in, as in, you have to recognize that the moment that you set in the river, that river is no has longer the changed. same. That yes. that has already changed. Yeah. Very similar thing happens with the notion of self. Yeah. Finding connections with labels or ideas or tests or results might work for you to get a better sense of where you were at at the moment that you were doing all that process but that doesn't make you who you are. And that's, I think, it's one of the mm. main thing that a lot of people really like to attach themselves to. And I'm not saying this is the case, but I'm just saying I've seen that case in repeated occasions where it's like, oh, but like my result was that, but my horoscope was that, and we attach ourselves to that. Yeah. So we want to be mindful. I am this. We like labels. We like- I definitely, I, I, that resonates a lot with me because I think I have a tendency to do that where I will define my identity in some way and go, I'm this. And that's something I've been working on to move out of a lot more. Yeah, I mean, you want to um, you wanna be... I think you want to aim for flexibility. Mm. Flexibility and adaptability is an incredibly... Uh, it's an element that it is very much to talk about, but sometimes it fails to really understand like how important it is to have mental flexibility to understand that the person that face a a particular challenge Mm -hmm. and maybe concrete doesn't necessarily need to face the exact same challenge again in the same manner or a new challenge in the way in which you resolved the previous manner just because that's an, that's what you already know doesn't mean that you have to. I think the the best way I can summarize that is like nobody is forced to be the same person they were five minutes ago. Yeah. But the brain the brain wants to because it's a it's a patterning well, organ, right? Like I, we if you repeat the same the same set of circumstances, do you think naturally we fall into the same pattern? Um yes, because our brain is incredibly lazy. Mm. I, and this is um, this is something that, as free divers, we know, right? Whereas, <laughs> like the the simplest example is, why do you black out? Consciousness is energy expensive. Yeah. So before you die, I'm gonna shut off the part that, of you that thinks, but I'm gonna keep the organs alive. Yeah. That is a human experience in a nutshell. How can I save energy? that's the question that your brain is asking. So if I already have a thought pattern of how to do things, why create a new one? Yeah. Because new thought patterns, new ideas... Cost energy. So much energy. (laughs) So it's hard to break patterns. It is. Yep. And it is hard to detach from the patterns because your brain doesn't want to. But at the same time... Your brain also wants to feel better than whatever it is feeling at a particular moment where you're struggling. And mm-hmm. sometimes that that's where the change is absolutely needed. Yeah. So I'm curious, mm-hmm. how how does this 
and having all of this knowledge impact your relationships and you're in a relationship right now, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Which I'm also curious about because I hope that we can dive into this because last year... Mm-hmm. Oh, we saw each other last year. What yeah. am I talking about? Three years. But I'm I mean, so still, sorry. Still the pandemic kind of like kick us off after that. Yeah, because yeah. because it was very short. Yeah. We only saw each other a couple of times yeah. in Uluwatu, yeah. in Bali. But yeah, three years ago is when we actually had a solid chunk of time yeah. um, to spend together in a physical place. But last year when we caught up, mm-hmm. you were exploring a new space of... Yeah sexuality and relationship yeah right yep can we talk about that sure okay so i'm curious because yeah i i I want i want to understand how you know your understanding of all of this and you having a background in psychology how that affects your relationship or or perhaps like your current one Mm -hmm. but then i'm also my second question maybe it's just one at a time is what happened last year? I want to know the goss. <laughs> so let's pick one and start. Okay, that that's a very that that's I know that's a lot. To, <laughs> that's a lot to cover. Okay, uh, I think just so we are like clear on the, like both you and I and the people that are listening like understand <laughs> like what you're referring is to like me going poly right like poly yes, yeah, and exploring yeah, yeah, like yeah. the different aspects of it. Okay, cool. Um, that was a very interesting, and it's, I think it's still a very interesting subject. It was kind of cool to do it at the moment when I did it because I had the opportunity to meet other like-minded people. And I'm not just talking about like my partners, but I actually got to know a bunch of other people that were on the same dynamic. And it's always very reassuring, again, coming back to the self, when you're like cool. I'm not the only crazy, pe- the only crazy person doing this. It's a bit validating. It's, it's we a, love validation. We love validation, and we love to to we love to see that it is possible. Like we love to see where it's like, oh, okay, cool. So there's a way. Yeah. Um, it's uh that that was very interesting for sure. I loved it. It was very challenging. It was. It taught me. A lot about attachment, my own personal attachment. It taught me a lot of, of, of how sneaky I can be sometimes, and kind of like really, yeah. That's a, that's a big thing because, Interesting. yeah, for sure. Because uh, a lot of people talk about the sexual fun component of being poly or open or or having multiple partners, blah blah blah. But in order for you to do that, you have like if you want to have an open relationship, you have to be able and willing to openly communicate. Yeah. That means that you are willing to listen yeah. to what your partner needs. You're willing to sit with your partner and open up about what you need or what you want, understanding that things are gonna happen if you receive the information that's gonna create a something in you that's Mm -hmm. gonna bring up something in you if you make a request if you verbalize your desire to your needs that's gonna create a reaction on the other person that's challenging on its own when you have only one One, partner i know that's what i was saying to you i don't know how like 
what the heck? Balancing that, considering needs of multiple people. In all fairness, at that time, like I had a very <laughs> relaxed life, so I had plenty of time to do that. Just chilling in Bali. I was just chilling in <laughs> Bali, so I was like, ah, I have the time, I have the energy, might as well do it. I have a fairly good diet oh and I have surfing. Oh my gosh, it's, oh, yeah. So, like, are you working a nine to five? You have, like, uh, <laughs> like you're trying to, like, uh, entrepreneurial path. Like, you're trying, like, to create your own brand or whatever in the meantime. Like, maybe poly is not the best option for you because it requires... A lot of work yeah. and a lot of communication yeah. with multiple communication styles. Yeah. So when when you kind of like come back to it is um for sure it, it, it's it's challenging and it has like a different set of challenges i don't know if i will say that it has more weirdly enough like i don't know i don't know if i will go to say like or you actually have more challenges it's with, just different it's just different and sometimes th <laughs> if you think about it as waves like every relationship that you have, I only had two. So like that, that was my, that was my top. Was that the max? That was the max. Because again, if you think about like, I think this is a good explanation. Like if two peaks meet, they amplify. If a peak and a crest meet, they nullify. So <laughs> if you have two relationships and, and one of like, one of the worst moments in, in, in my, in my polydynamic was when my partners they were both, both. At, at, they were both at the same time on a on a on a crest and i was like who do i turn to you know like they're <laughs> like where's like what am i supposed to do now a third one <laughs> I, that was an option but i was like do i really want to add this to my play right now so it was like all of a sudden like you have to fix or you have to work mm. uh, maybe fix is not the right word but you have to address mm. what created those crests and you have to allow the space and the time to process each one so i believe that every single relationship that you have regardless of the structure will bring out something from you like i truly believe that lovers are probably the best teachers that you have mm -hmm. and I, at that particular moment, I was like, well, I want to have two teachers right now. I really want to see. <laughs> I really want to learn. I really want to learn. <laughs> and boy, did I learn. And it was really I'm fun. I'm going back to school. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was a very, it was a great uh, growth experience. He showed me, he showed a lot of my insecurities. He showed a lot of my of my wanting or, or like again like the people pleaser mm -hmm. in me really brought up because all of a sudden like you have two people that you want to keep in your life yeah how do you set bound because that's the thing like y it's not just about like how many relationships you have it's like how you structure valid boundaries like that that are actually healthy for you within that yeah and it was kind of like a very intense crash course on on that because apparently that's the only way that alejandro learns where he is like <laughs> let's go all or nothing like let's yeah. let's um put Dive the pedal right to in. the metal yeah. yeah right into the deep end so and what did what were some key things you learned about yourself you said that you were a bit sneaky yeah uh definitely i i play or i have i have I'm, I'm working on this pattern where it's 
the concept of holding information mm-hmm. versus lying where I can like create a narrative in my head where it's like I wasn't lying I just didn't say it mm, which, which some people might say is lying by omission exactly so it's one of those things where all of a sudden like I, I was fa- like I, I was forced to tell one of my partners that one of the reasons why at that particular day I was feeling very low it was because I had an issue with another partner right so that conversation itself like right now probably some people will be like what <laughs> like because some people might face that that particular moment will be almost unexplicable unbearable but that's the thing you if you like at that moment I chose it. and I'm not saying like I don't I don't think I I don't think mine's like Maybe it is. It was a success case. Anyway, but it was like it was challenging. Like what I'm mm. saying is like there's definitely a level of challenge that I didn't anticipate, but I'm really yeah. happy that I had to face because having that conversation with all of a sudden is like, what's wrong? And it's like, how much do you want to know? Because right now, like I'm dealing with the fact that this other person in our relation, like in my relationship, mm. um, just went through this, and I'm going through this, and I'm having this emotional reaction to this particular thing. Mm-hmm. How com- like how much of that can you actually receive? Yeah. And how much of that are you comfortable with me sharing right now? Because if you like, do you really want to know? Yeah. And all of a sudden, like being faced with like, sometimes it's a yes and sometimes it's a no. Yeah. There's, there's a, coming back to the sneakiness, lying, there is lying by omission, but then there's a difference between sincerity and sincericide. Sincericide? Yeah. So what that is like suicide. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's okay. like like what other people might call oversharing. Yes. So it's like. Are you just like barfing your emotions in front of your significant mm. other without any form of empathy? Of, mm-hmm. Because like. <laughs> so if, if you were to flip the coin, like if, if, if I was talking with one of my partners and I asked, hey darling like how was your weekend with your significant other and she starts telling me about how wild and amazing the sex was and like how like to put it bluntly like i don't know what audience is going to listen to this podcast but if she starts telling me how he had like he has a bigger dick than me like there's a very good chance that i if i was not ready to receive that i'm gonna have a very strong emotional reaction to that right so there's a there's a fine line between saying that and saying like I actually have a really nice weekend. I enjoy myself a lot. There was this beautiful view with this amazing sunset. Sunset and like the <laughs> yeah. food was absolutely ma- amazing. You would have loved that steak there. It's like cool. Mm-hmm. Like I want to know that she that she had fun that she that she enjoyed her time that she's fine that she's happy to come back to me. Mm. Maybe I don't need um maybe I don't need to have that comparison you need to know everything exactly yeah if she describes a really really hot sex scene (laughs) on the other hand like mine might be all ears i mean yeah okay like but you see like that's the difference like there's 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 describing a sex scene and then there is comparing (laughs) your sex life with someone else so like it's again like finding there's also a level of respect i suppose but also you have to be open to ask because sometimes mm. like you really want to barf something 
like something you really want like and you have to be like can you receive right now like are you yeah maybe audience matters right maybe it doesn't have to be your other partner in your poly yeah relationship dynamic maybe it's one of your mates instead so you have to be you have to be very careful of like when you have open communication like what is it that you're sharing Mm. how is it that you're sharing why is it that you're sharing yeah like is is what you're sharing aimed towards growing deepening the relationship that you have or is it for ulterior motives Mm. because sometimes it has happened like sometimes you want to share something just to spot just to bring out jealousy in in someone yeah to hurt someone we do that so you just like i do believe that you have to be very mindful of and, and and again that's i do believe that's a a bit of a bigger or a a different learning curve when it comes to communicating when you actually have the possibility of having two partners yeah and learning how to communicate with one another yeah do you think that you having this background helped navigate this dynamic did it help you navigate the dynamic a lot Mm. better at certain level Yes, the deeper that you go, no, because the deeper that you go, the more emotional reactive mm, you are. You're still human. Exactly. Yeah. So it's uh, it's one of these things where, where, yes, on a on a superficial level, we can talk about it, and I can like still be on a with one eye, kind of like seeing like <laughs> what's going on, but as the conversation starts going deep. Mm. Um, you just go back to regular I, I just i just become i just become this really handsome monkey that i usually am and i'm like <laughs> what's going on yeah but that's that's how you learn by 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 really facing stuff that are that are that it is nuanced and that it is um yeah i guess challenging will be the right word mm. and are you still poly now um, I guess uh, the long answer is like monogamy is still kind of like a challenging term for me to accept. So maybe mm. I'm just gonna say yes, but just out of out of spite for monogamy. <laughs> out of spite, I love monogamy. I know I mean, that's I, that's a conversation for another time <clears throat> that we need to dive into because yeah, you know, I I'm like such a fan of monogamy. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and, and you I, are not. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like I think just out of spite, I'm gonna say like um, yes, I am yes, still. I am. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes, I am. Even though I'm, I, I think I'm lying. Like I'm just gonna go. Yes, I, am. <laughs> I mean, at least you're truthful, right? Yeah, try to. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, far out. We spoke about a lot of things. A lot about, a lot about the self. A lot about yeah. human behavior and relationships and dynamics and everything. Yeah. Good luck trying to label this episode. Yeah. So, what's next for you? Um, Japan. After uh, after your paid um, life, uh, paid year after, of being a vagabond. After after a full after a full year of being a, a professional vagabond, I am seeing my I'm seeing some snow in Japan. You come I, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely <laughs> yeah? envisioning that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you gonna come and visit me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Are you kidding? <laughs> like I'm already there. I might as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going back to Mexico City. I have a I have a lot of things that I need to settle. 
and that I need to fix. Uh, and I really, I'm a firm believer in integration. Mm-hmm. So after this absolutely amazing, amazing year, I'm willing to like settle in a place, integrate, and just try to process everything that I just went through. Probably going to be there for solid, let's say, six months. Yeah. And just really go deep into other stuff that I'm keen. Yeah. And by integration, I mean, you're really talking about applying a lot of what you've learned, I suppose, about yourself and about... Um, Yeah, a lot about what I've learned about myself, a lot about what I learned just about how to be a human, how to be how to be a leader mm. how to how to interact with other humans uh because one very interesting thing that happens is one thing might be to sit down with a bunch of friends and be like hey why don't we go to like the gillies and do a quick trip or whatever with people that you already know it's a very different thing to be like you have the element of randomness mm-hmm. assigned and you have to build a family yeah. out of that. And I say family because I'm Latino. Like that's how I roll. Like if you tell me like it's a big group and you're gonna be together for a year, that's a family. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a yeah. there like yeah. I cannot wrap my head around it any other way. So creating that or facilitating the dynamic for that to happen was a very interesting but also intense process Mm -hmm. uh it required a lot of it required it required a lot from me and this is absolutely not a complaint like this is a true realization that this gig that i have right now i'm extremely lucky to have but it was far more intense than what anticipated and I truly believe that I need to like sit down and be like, what the hell just happened? And kind yeah. of just like really soak that in. Was there a key lesson or takeaway for you from this past year in, you know, being a leader in this space and having this randomly assigned family to you for a year? Was there, yeah, a key lesson in how you can or how other people can show up better in the world or to be a better person? Is there something that, yeah, you've taken away from the experience? I'm sure there are many things. There, there are many. But is there a key thing? I'm, I'm trying to see if I can frame it correctly. Um... When when you have a group of strangers and again like you spend so much time with them, all of a sudden like some people will bring out different things in you. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that there's a number of things that can be brought up, and not all of them are pleasant, are either pleasant or promoting either growth or any of that stuff what i'm trying to say is like sometimes people really bring either dark or negative feelings in you Mm -hmm. 
you i i believe this is true for me if i cannot act out of love in that moment mm-hmm. i shouldn't be there that means if at that particular moment i'm taking enough emotional turmoil mm-hmm. that i can no longer act out of love and i cannot longer be like i'm here for you i can like i cannot truly act out of love i need to pack my stuff and go and maybe i just need like to have a moment on my own like just like i shouldn't like if i cannot act out of love i shouldn't be there mm. that's just me that's awesome yeah yeah that's making me think a lot about <clears throat> some some recent decisions and some recent actions for me hmm if you can't act out of love then don't be there because again do we w- stuff happens and we react emotionally if you just barf that out mm. becomes a very complicated moment where it's like well maybe i say things that i don't want to say maybe mm-hmm. i put myself in a position where i don't want to be maybe i'm like i'm i'm no longer i'm i'm no longer the person that i either want to be or i'm not showing the side of me that i can really that i can truly think that it's the more conducive to growth or the functional the effective yeah and i do believe in acting out of love is like the easiest strategy in most cases like a frame of reference yeah like can i act out of love mm. like is this because of love or is this because of something else mm. like this is definitely not coming out of love pack your stuff and move out like just take a break mm. Cook. time off this doesn't mean quitting this doesn't mean like sending them somewhere else it doesn't mean it just means that if you're in that room if you're in that conversation if you're in that chat and you cannot act out of love stop that mm. stop that get out you don't have to stay there mm. thanks alejandro always good chatting to you my pleasure Oh, man, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Uh, how can people connect with you if they want to? Do you want people to connect with you? I mean, I post very <laughs> randomly about amazing adventures in my Instagram. So if people want to see some cool pictures, um, the it's at Jano under dash Insta. Uh, Which is spelt because Hano. Oh, yeah, so it's J A N O. (laughs) Underscore. Underscore Insta. Insta. Yeah, I joined that party very late. Yes, yes. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, Yeah. Thanks, Alejandro. Cool. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much. I am Amanda. Thank you for joining us and listening in on self. You can follow us me (laughs) us who is us it's just really me around here you can follow me on instagram at self 
double underscore podcast. And my personal Instagram is at Amanda Latran. That's L-E-T-R-A-N. And yeah, thanks for joining us (laughs) this week. And I will see you next Thursday. Thanks. Bye.